All right, Ryder Cup, 43rd edition, finished up at Whistling Straits. Guys, I was so lucky to be on the grounds and being a part of that. Um, a lot of my role, I was behind the scenes. I was in the TV trucks working for the European Tour, editing highlights uh, for the world feed, uh, going to the rest of the world, all the stuff you wouldn't see on NBC, more on like Sky Sports and all that stuff. A lot of fun. And I did get a chance, though, to get out and walk the course a little bit um, and to talk to some people beforehand, before the tournament started. I, obviously, the celebration, I'm sure you've been watching uh, the U.S. celebration. We'll get to that in a little bit. I love seeing another side of Xander Schauffele and, of course, the whole Brooks and, and Bryson hug there at the end of uh, the session with the media uh, in celebration. Was How authentic was that? I don't know. But, hey, you know, they, they look like they were happy. So what, what are we supposed to do? Just take them at the word, take them at their face, I guess. Uh, but I want to go early in the week, uh, rewind the tape just a little bit and talk about what the strategy was and what what I observed on the ground I ran into Paul McGinley who's just one of the super nice guys in golf and sports man he is just so thoughtful and uh, he really listens and, and talks really with anybody. Fans are going up to him, uh, American fans, European fans, and he was chat, happy to chat with anybody. But I did talk to him a little bit about the strategy. What did Padraig Harrington have to do against this American team? I mean, look, they're averaging number nine in the world is how strong they were in their rankings. So his thought was, okay, with weather coming in, um, favoring the Europeans, he thought, Friday, Saturday. With the, with the wind and with the conditions, he thought that would favor them. Mostly the wind and them being wind players. Think about the Lynx players like Fleetwood and, and Lowry specifically, some of those guys, Sergio. So what he said was, hey, Patty has to get a lead immediately. So bring your horses out, find your pairings immediately, build up that lead, and then Sunday is supposed to be pretty nice weather, very little wind that's going to totally favor the Americans. Um, and that was the whole strategy. That was his thought going in. They're overmatched. They're going to lose by three or four points based on how strong the American team was uh, going into that. So, obviously, Patty put what he could together and didn't quite pan out. I mean, I look at the pairing of, of Rom and Garcia. Honestly, I would have split that up. And listen, they, they played well early. Padraig Harrington split Garcia, or actually sat Garcia, and then put Rom with Tyrrell Hatton, which, you know what, they got a tie, they, they fought pretty hard. Uh, but honestly, I would have split, shared the wealth. At that point, I mean, going into Saturday, they got their early match win uh, in the Saturday morning group. I would have put them out separately, because there's so many guys that Sergio gets along with. Of course, Rom's his favorite, but Casey, he's such good friends with. Westwood, I mean, he won so many points with Westwood in 2 at the Belfry. Um, man, I, I would have spread the wealth, because you absolutely need to get back in the matches at that point. They were down by so much, they needed to make a run. So, I would have split them up. That's kind of my takeaway. I'm curious what you guys would have thought. How would Harrington have gotten back into the matches Saturday afternoon and, and given himself a fighting chance? Because I mean, in the end, 11-5 to 5 was just way too much uh, insurmountable there. Uh, but truly, though, the, the American play was, was just dominant. I mean, uh, just resounding win. And I did talk to a couple other people. Roger Maltby, of course, he covered—this was his 15th Ryder Cup. And I said, have you seen— 
an American team that played this loose, that looked this loose together. And he said, honestly, the one that comes to mind, uh, not many recently, but 2008 at Valhalla. He loved the core of that team, obviously the pods, Paul Azinger. He loved the way Phil, J.B. Holmes, that whole team was put together and the way they play with each other. So that was one that came to his mind. Um, Billy Kratzer, this was his seventh Ryder Cup. You hear him on PGA Tour Live, Golf Channel, different different platforms. He had never seen a U.S. team this loose in his estimation. So that was cool to hear that. Um, you know, from their perspective. But another thing Maltby said is that the Ryder Cup, if there's anything he's learned in the 15 Ryder Cups he's covered for NBC Golf Channel, it's that momentum is so crucial in these matches. And that's obviously on Sunday, that's something that Europe could never really put together. I mean, yes, they got that first point from Rory McIlroy, which is huge off the bat, but there was just no other support early on. You, you would have thought, obviously, it was a front-loaded lineup with Lowry, who was so emotional to win on Saturday with with Tiro Hatton, and then of course uh, Rom and Garcia. I mean, you have to get three and a half points out of those f- first four to have any kind of chance. And man, it just didn't happen. But I'll tell you, I'm trying to think of other sights and sounds I saw on the course uh, that you guys might be interested in. Of course, the viral. A moment there, uh, Justin Thomas on Saturday afternoon chugging the beer with Daniel Berger. I, I love how that all played out because it was fans that threw that to him, <laughs> threw the beer. And they kind of sat there for a second. They're on the team. They're like, wait, what, what do we do? What do we do? And you totally give the fans what they want in that situation. I think JT did a great job of that. What's funny is I saw JT drive by a number 11. Sergio and Rom were playing against Brooks Kepka. Um and I can't believe I forget the other American there. Oh, uh, Jordan Spieth. Oh, yeah, only Jordan Spieth. So they're playing against him. And Thomas, which seems totally out of character, that he's not playing in an afternoon group. But that's just how Stricker put it together. He's driving by in a cart with his girlfriend and some other people from the team. And people yelled out to JT. They said, oh, chuck the beer. Chuck some more beer for us. Come on, you got this. And he waved and pointed a finger to each individual person yelling at him. And he loved it, man. He, he put his arms up together, both arms, and, and said, bring it on, bring it on. Like he wanted to hear more. And he was just so animated. And obviously, there's a kind of the comedic side that we're describing, but this guy has really become the emotional leader of that U.S. team. That was really a big takeaway I got from this week, just seeing the way he is relating with the crowd the emotion. A lot of uh, British fans that I was uh, listening to uh, out there were saying, oh, this guy's going to go mental. Absolutely mental if he drains this putt. I mean, they even realize how fired up he gets. And it's funny how they describe it, the words they use uh, with JT. But looked great this week. I I was really impressed uh, with Justin Thomas. Um, Any other players that you guys saw that surprised you, that, that was really impressive to you. I mean, I, obviously, DJ going 5-0 and was massive. I mean, we hadn't seen that from an American since 1979. That's how rare this is because it's so easy after four full matches, all the emotion, all the energy with your teammates to go 4-0 and so hard, but then to close out on Sunday and not burn out. Shane Ryan, a writer for Golf Digest and author of upcoming writer Ryder Cup book on Twitter made a great point about that on Sunday night. It's just so rare, and Rom ran into that. Um, he wasn't four zero, but he was three zero and one, and he just ran out of steam against Scotty Scheffler. I mean, give credit, Scotty Scheffler, a twenty-five-year-old, played his heart out on Sunday to, to beat him. Um, 
But still, I mean, Rom just ran out of some energy there. I thought it was really cool. I saw in the replay that on on the last hole when Scheffler finished out John Rom, Scheffler's caddy who's been at it for 17 years, Scott McGinnis. He's from Australia, so here he is an Aussie getting a front row seat to these matches. He was wiping tears away about 20 feet behind Scotty as Scotty was lining up that last putt. I mean, he was holding the pin, just wiping away tears. Just It was such an emotional moment for him realizing, wow, this just happened. We just took down John Rahm, the world number one, and probably clearly the best player on both teams. Put them together and add that intensity, and this is a rare position for them to be in and so obviously it was such a big deal for Scheffler's caddy uh, Scott McGinnis to to soak that in big moment for his career I can only imagine but he did tell me though on Saturday some of those putts that Scheffler was dropping on the back nine the roars from the fans he said it felt like they were walking through an NFL stadium on the field <laughs> the way they were being responded to by the fans so I thought that was really cool uh, to hear that kind of insight I did talk to Bryson uh, Bryson DeChambeau's caddy as well because he was in that group on Saturday with Scheffler. There was a lot of crazy stuff that happened. Obviously, 17 is a boiled down back and forth match, but they were up two on 17, and Bryson just closed it out. And I found out from uh, Brian that it was an eight iron that he hit. Now, listen, I know his lofts are all a little bit different in the way he's the length of his clubs and all that, but still, Bryson muscled an eight iron to two, from 218 yards. All the pressure on to close this thing out, and he hits it to seven feet. Just stiffed it. Really impressive stuff there. So uh, it was great to hear from Brian. He said it was just trying to soak in every moment. Uh, and he did tell Bryson, here's what's funny. He told Bryson walking over from 16, he said, listen, let, uh, I, I'm not going to caddy for you on the 18th hole. Now, straight up, you got to find another caddy because we got to close this out on 17. And it's funny how that's how what he used for motivation to get Bryson fired up. Let's do this kind of thing. So I love that um, a- aspect there from Brian. And I'm, you got to be happy for Brian Ziegler. This is his sixth event caddying on the PGA Tour. And it's the Ryder Cup. And it's the first win for the U.S. obviously since 2016. But just what a place uh, to get started in your caddying career so early on. Um, really a cool thing. So, yeah, I, I thought it was really... A stadium. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this text from Brian Ziegler, and he said it felt like a stadium. That and it, they wanted to light up the stadium even more uh, throughout the day on Sunday, and they did. Obviously, beating Sergio Garcia. What a, a takeaway there, Bryson. Big win for over Garcia, and, and that's another thing. Garcia three and zero was on fire. He kind of ran out of steam as well. So it, it's very tough to go five and zero, as the point I just made a couple minutes ago. And you know what? Bryson, not Bryson, excuse me, Dustin Johnson goes 5-0, and the first guy since 1979, this is an American player, um, to go 5-0 and since Larry Nelson, and you've got to be impressed with the way DJ played, I <laughs> thought that was some pretty impressive stuff, he wins a singles match, he looked fired up, and of course in the in the presser afterwards, who was it, Luke Curdenine, uh from Golf.com asked him, hey DJ, considering you're 37, you're the oldest person on this team, do you have the stamina uh, to hang with these guys, uh, to, to out-party these youngsters? And he said, absolutely, basically, was his answer. So, really fun to hear that from Dustin Johnson. Um, 
it just seeing the, him let loose along with these other guys. Just just get out of their shell. Xander Shoffley's another great example of that. The way the Xander was just uh, partying and smoking cigars and just living his best life. You see him uh, chuck that high noon uh, right there on the 18th hole after he finished his match. And that well, really after they clinched, Morikawa's half uh, clinching the cup at that point. Man, Morikawa... Uh, Great finish there. Of course, he, he was the guy. I mean, that really hit the shot there on the par 317th. They hit it close enough, uh, tapped it in, and you saw the emotion. When he tapped it in, he knew that was it. That half guaranteed the Ryder Cup. So it was cool to see him um, just look so fired up and looked uh, in his element. I mean, he's the best iron player in the world. No surprise he hits it to about three feet on that long par 317th. Another point I wanted to say as we kind of wrap up here was Sergio Garcia goes three and zero, and we never forget the the we never forget the winners. But it's very easy to forget the losers. Here I, I sound like I'm just out of it, right? It's more fatigue than anything else. A long week, so I apologize for that. But I do want to make this point about Sergio Garcia and Patrick Harrington. Think about how icy their relationship would have been in 07 and 08. Remember that 07 Carnoustie Sergio had the lead the whole week and coughed it up, and Padraig caught him. Forced to play off and won at the oldest championship there. I mean, it would have been Sergio's first major. He had a putt on that last hole to win a major. So there was an icy relationship for those years. 07, 08 happened again at the PGA. Sergio had the lead in the back nine. He threw it away, hit it in the water on 16 and just couldn't get it done. Potty bro broke his heart again. And here's the thing. The evolution of their relationship. Padraig Harrington lost this Ryder Cup as captain. He's always going to have to answer questions to that. But he will always remember the way Sergio played his heart out for the team. He was 3-0 in team matches. I know I said 3-0 for the Cup a little earlier. 3-1 and when it's all said and done. But you saw the emotion Sergio had playing with Rom, chipping in on 9 on Saturday morning. They were down big. I think they were down 3 on Saturday morning to Brooks. And... It was Brooks and Daniel Berger. And it was looking like it was going to be over quickly, but Sergio fought back along with Rom. And I just, I just think it's a, it's a really cool thing that Sergio and Padraig Harrington are going to be able to wrap, really look back on, wow, just how hard Sergio played for his captain this week. It's this is never going to be talked about. You're never going to read this in Wikipedia. You can look up Wikipedia right now and read about the 2020 Ryder Cup, as they still call it, 2020. Um, you can read about all the records and everything. It's all done in Wikipedia already. It's Sunday night, and it's already history. Uh, but this is just a really cool footnote. I think you wanna, I wanna remember about Sergio and Padraig Harrington. You got You have to kind of give credit to some of the losers too. Lee Westwood. You think about him too. He's gonna be 49 next April, and he said in his presser, "This could very well be my last Ryder Cup. I don't want it to be my last Ryder Cup, but at the very least, you know, I got to share it with my son." And he got a standing ova or an ovation from the media, an ovation from his his uh, teammates right after he said that. And they're so, I, I just really think it's important to look back on the guys that that lost as well. Like these guys love. I mean, did you see Ian Poulter? He wins his match, his singles match, and he's still not lost in singles. But in that moment, when he realized a few minutes later, hey, they lost the Ryder Cup. This is this is not happening this year, and he just. Kneeled over by his um, 
bag and just cried like a baby. Like, it just means so much to him, you can tell. And Rory did the same thing. Um, I, I, of course, he had a camera pointed in his face on Sky Sports. Um, and he said that just obviously how, how much the Ryder Cup means to him. There's nothing more important in their sport than this event. And he said he hopes young girls and, and boys are watching at home Solheim Cup, that they aspire to be in the Solheim Cup or the Ryder Cup. And, and that's the most important thing. I, I just thought it was very cool, uh, the perspective these guys have um, at this level. So a lot of good takeaways. It was a fun week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, there was a little animosity, of course. Brooks, uh, not Brooks, excuse me, Bryson, uh, not getting a putt given to him on the first hole. Saturday afternoon, so he lays down his putter and shows to the world, especially the Europeans that didn't give it to him, uh, Victor Hovland, that it was indeed inside the leather. So a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot, a lot of trash talking, a lot of little moves like that that we saw. But you know what? Overall, we saw the line at the end, people giving high fives, the team, both teams giving high fives. I thought well, that was really cool that they did that. And you can tell that they get along with each other. I mean, they don't have to be best friends, but overall, uh, good sportsmanship did reign at this Ryder Cup uh, at Whistling Straits. So hope you guys enjoyed watching it, uh, listening to it. I had a blast. Very fortunate to be out there. And i got a special guest coming up this week, later on this week. I think you're going to have a blast listening to him as well. So this has been a great Ryder Cup. Hope you guys soak it in and appreciate what this was, uh, living history at, at uh, this event. So talk to you again soon on Beyond the Clubhouse. Thank you.